Kaylee, I was taking my notes this week and I have rediscovered my true and passionate love for pencils. Pencils. Like graphite? Yes, like 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 either mechanicals or you know Ticonderoga number twos. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I love pencils. I don't know like what happened. I think I just had one and I grabbed it out of my little Wonder Woman mug that I use as a pencil holder. And I just started using it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so smooth. Like my handwriting looks better. Everything feels good. It's just, I don't, I love me a pencil. It's been a minute. Yeah. Remind me, I'll have to get you some more of those Guster nickname pencils from Etsy or something. Yes. (laughs) That's what I need. That's what I need. Oh, I love this. Because I have a super sweet pencil sharpener that is currently sitting behind my computer because that's the kind of person I am. Is it like a battery operated robot one or? Oh, it plugs in. Oh, that's serious. (laughs) I'm real about my pencil sharpeners and I'm real about my pencils and man. It was so nice to take notes and I like messed something up and I didn't have to scratch or write over it. I just erased it. Damn, girl. Start it again. Mm. <sighs> I'm going to have to break out my friction pens. They uh, they erase due to the heat from friction. So the eraser doesn't actually wear down. It's pretty neat. But if you want to keep something forever, probably don't use this kind of ink. That would be my only concern, like if it's sat in the sun or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, your pencil is also not going to record keeping level (laughs) hashtag same problem yeah for sure (laughs) all right shall we start the show let's do it showtime this is to the blueberry I am Alexis. I am a real-life Gus. I'm Kaylee. I'm the real-life Sean. And we are here to talk to you about our favorite show, Psych. Psych. We are on Season 2, Episode 6, Meat is Murder, but Murder is, is also, also Murder. murder. <laughs> Can I just say, we don't always get the title of the episode in the episode, but we get this one. And I love it. And it's so perfect when, like, when we get there... I- it's just perfect. Speaking as someone who eats a plant-based diet, yeah. <laughs> Meat is murder, but murder is also murder. <laughs> I support the entire statement. <laughs> we have a super cool guest star today, and we are kind of going to start hitting guest stars really regularly. Oh, wait. Not a guest star in our podcast, but in the episode. We're going to start hitting these <laughs> guest stars pretty regularly. So I think it was episode three, we had Lou Diamond Phillips. Episode one, we had Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. And this episode, our guest star is John Amos, who is playing Gus's uncle, which we will get to very, very quickly. But we do start with a flashback to 1987. Oh, yeah. And the First thing we see is a berobed Henry descending his stairs. I know, right? Can I pause and say that this is probably Henry's worst wig yet? <laughs> it's hideous, and no one comments on it. Except for Corbin Burnson, who comments on it a lot throughout the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. And like in real life, he can't shut up about how terrible these, <laughs> these fake hair moments were. 
Henry is walking in, and the first thing he sees is this little trail of flour leading into the closet. Also, his kitchen is a mess, and there's banging around of things and little tippy taps of child feet, and <laughs> it's a lot to deal with. I mean, the sentiment would be appreciated, but I would not be happy at the prospect of cleaning that up. No, and to spoiler a little bit, this scene ends with Henry sending Sean to his room. And I'm like, why would you send him to his room? Make him clean up the kitchen. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. It's like, do you want to bother with letting him take the time to quote unquote clean the kitchen when you're probably going to have to clean it again afterwards anyway? Maybe if they did it together. I don't know. I don't know. But Sean is handing Henry a plate of banana nut muffins, your favorite. Not my and... favorite, just for the record, Henry's favorite. Yes. Banana nut muffins, and... banana nut muffins. Banana nut muffins are probably my least favorite muffin of all time. Oh, it's a lemon blueberry muffin all the way oh, for this girl. Yeah. That yeah. sounds awesome. I have to write that down. <laughs> so Henry is immediately like, uh, is this how you think you're getting ungrounded for RoboCop this weekend? <laughs> No, I don't know what you're talking about. I made these homemade. Henry's like, uh-huh. You and what recipe? Let me see if I can figure out your secret ingredients. Am I tasting a little bit of cinnamon? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just, uh, just a little hint of cinnamon. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, and is that a cilantro and thyme? Oh my gosh, you're so good at this. Ugh, cilantro and thyme. <laughs> and banana mum <mama. laughs> Muffins, I said it again. But <laughs> my favorite line comes next where Henry said, what if I told you a thousand times? And Sean's immediate response is, don't hide Gus in the pantry. <laughs> because they found out that Gus was hiding in the pantry because he, of course, was the one who made the muffins. Yeah, and it's not that they weren't homemade. It's that Sean had to go and lie. He's like... No, what I actually have told you a million times is don't lie because lying leads to more lies, which it did. And it does. Yep. <laughs> oh, Henry wisdom. So Gus's apron says cook him, Dano. Oh, I, oh my God, I didn't even read that. Yeah. I love that so much. I no, want it. Not only because it. it's a great Hawaii 5.0 reference, but I just like the fact that it's an apron that says cook him, Dano. I just, I don't know. I find that really funny. Yeah, I need a good pun. <laughs> I have an apron that says, be willing to take whisks. <laughs> it sounds like you're like a master whisk thief. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that for you. Henry's mad. Sends Sean to his room. Gus goes to his room with him, which is not a very effective grounding, but okay. After a pause, he just scurries up the steps yeah. after him and like... Throws a whisk. He throws a whisk onto the table. <laughs> I love it. We end up cutting to present day and we meet Uncle Burton, who is I our... wrote persnickety Uncle Burton. I wrote hateful, so... <laughs> he gets out of this car just complaint after complaint flying out of his mouth it's very entitled complaining it you is. know it's like oh of course you take me to 
like, I, I can't even remember all the insults. He's like, you have to wait until I'm in town to go to the bad side of town and get the slum dog food and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, it's real, like, negative. And Gus is just like, this place got great reviews. It's rated four spoons. Uncle Burton legit says, yeah, crack spoons. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> So then we get a very um, out-of-breath Sean jogging into scene. Like, yes, there you are. I've been looking everywhere for you. (laughs) Sean tracked him using GPS. He contacted his wireless provider and told them. Oh, that's not the first thing he did. (laughs) That's true. He he checked Legoland Um, or something? uh, Yeah, he had to go. He went to like three different, I don't even remember, batting cages. Yeah. What was it? I don't know. And then, yeah. And then he's like, finally, it's a good thing your phone has GPS. If you get a call from your service provider, uh, you might want to answer it. They think you're a fugitive for justice. Play along. This is where I write stripes versus plaid. Sean runs into this scene wearing very light, like, pastel stripes. And Gus is wearing very light pastel plaid. If you've been keeping track along with me. Sean is usually in plaid, and Gus is usually in stripes. And there's a lot about this happening in this episode. I'm going fully down the rabbit hole from here on out. Not just this episode, it's going to keep happening. I just realized where you're about to go with this. Oh yeah, girl. Oh yeah, because in this scene, we get a little sidebar with the boys. Sean's like, Jules called. We have a case. And Gus is very emphatically like, Maybe you should handle this one yourself. There's a first time for everything. But Uncle Burton is like, What are you talking about, Gus? Gus excuses himself to go talk to Sean. And he's like, Listen, there's something you gotta know. My uncle might think that I'm the psychic here. (laughs) Good times. And Sean is like, (laughs) Okay, sure, sure. Maybe we should disabuse him of that notion. But it turns out, Pretty much all of Gus's family on his mother's side thinks this and thinks that Sean is Gus's assistant at the psychic detective agency. Because when Gus was on the phone with his great aunt, yeah, who is hard of hearing and just a little bit out of it, she kind of got the wires crossed. So now everyone thinks that he's a psychic detective and he really needs Sean not to spill the beans with Uncle Burton because... He's on thin ice. This guy doesn't like anybody. He wants to make a good impression. He's here on vacation visiting Santa Barbara. He's from New Jersey. We'll find out later. And he really hates Gus because Gus stopped using the Burton name and instead is using the name Gus. Yeah. Ever since he started going by Gus instead of Burton, he's had like an extra chip on his shoulder towards Gus. So they invite Uncle Burton along to the crime scene. Well, Sean does. <laughs> Gus is like, what are you doing? Don't worry, I have a plan. <laughs> all right, and this is where it all starts to make sense for me. This is where we're going into our opening credits, by the way. But if this plan is going where I think it's going, the fact that they are switched on their typical patterns is very telling. And I'm going to start trying to catch that in episodes to see if that tells us anything before we learn anything. I used a lot of shorthand today, and I have no idea. So I've got D, B, U, B, X, B there. That means... Oh, what? Dead body. And Gus said, 
oh, I'm not concerned because as soon as they see Uncle Burton, they're going to kick him out. He's not allowed to be here. And Buzz comes up. Buzz comes in <laughs> and he does try to tell them that Uncle Burton can't be there. And then Uncle mm. Burton pulls out all of his detective agency brain and says there's no tape. The forensic people are not collecting evidence. This is not a crime scene. I've seen enough Hill Street Blues to know what's what. Okay, this is the beginning of an ongoing bit where in every line Uncle Burton has almost, he's referencing a procedural television show. I'm living for it. We'll see how many he gets if he ever hits on any of my personal faves, which, uh, spoiler alert, he does. He um, <laughs> but this is a really great ongoing thing from Uncle Burton. And, and it's amazing because I only caught two pop culture references that weren't from Uncle Burton. Yeah, he's got the majority of them. It's great. He's just dropping like all the little nuggets here. Oh, Juliet meets Uncle Burton. I was going to say, Buzz just dips. <laughs> he's like, um, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> you win. Okay. Bye. Juliet updates them. The dead body's name is Vince Wagner. Just like, okay, he's not a dead body. The person who happens to be the dead body person first name when he was alive was Vince Wagner. There it is. And he was a restaurant critic. Right, for the Santa Barbara Mirror. So the lowdown is that he keeled over after eating his wife's homemade chicken soup. This seems pretty straightforward, but the wife is acting a little weird, and I just kind of want you to get a read on things to make sure that, like, you know, I don't not follow any important threads. I love the way she says you, which is, I mean, just good writing, I guess, but she says you and kind of looks at both of the boys, so Uncle Burton isn't saying, like, who she was actually talking to. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, so it sneaky. works out, and then Sean is like, of course, Gus, we could have Gus do that and make our way over here into this other room. <laughs> they go into the kitchen, they start looking around, Gus is like, I don't know what to do. And Sean said, you can do this. You make some observations, you form a conclusion, and you reveal it to everybody in a ridiculous and or roundabout way. I wrote, observe, conclude, floppy reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Sean goes, like so, basically. And he starts opening cabinets, opening the fridge, checking things out. He starts pointing things out to Gus, and he's like, the fridge is full of takeout containers. There's charring on the soup pot. Everything's a mess. There's raw chicken along with vegetables on the chopping board. And what does that mean? And Gus is like, I don't know. Maybe she's not a good cook. And he's like, oh, you're in fire. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's like, hey, Uncle Burton. Gus is sensing something. Come quick. <laughs> Uncle Burton walks in and Gus Dulé Hill does this perfect James Roday as Sean <laughs> impression where he's doing like the faces and the hands and the flopping and the flailing. Oh, it's just so beautiful. The closed captionings actually said distasteful grunts. <laughs> I, I just keep expecting Gus to break out into song, which, spoiler, he kind of does later. <laughs> Eventually he goes, she's, she's terrible. She's a, she's a bad cook. And from the next room we hear, you sound just like my husband. <laughs> 
So they go into the other room and they're like, oh, we're so sorry for your loss and in this terrible time for you. And she's like, you know, <laughs> I guess it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, it was hard living with a critic. He rated everything I did. Surely not everything. Everything. I never broke two stars. Sean's face at this. Like, he's just like, what kind of a man? <laughs> Retweet. She is cooking for him tonight because she tries to cook for him once a week for health reasons because he eats at too much takeout. He eats at too many restaurants. It's not good for his heart health, whatever. She's trying to help him by cooking for him once a week. She confirms that she's a terrible cook and oh, she yeah. doesn't seem abashed about it. She's like, I cooked for health reasons because he needed it because his doctor kind of said so. Like, <laughs> They walk away and Sean's like, she's not the killer. If she wanted him to die, why would she be trying to cook him healthy meals once a week? And then Sean clocks a black tongue on the dead guy. Wagner. Okay, so this is one thing that I noted. When we enter our crime scene, the first thing we see is them covering the dead guy. And in this scene, they're leaving the scene and... Covering the dead guy. <laughs> Yeah, they're like in the process of re-zipping this up, but Sean has enough time to see the black tongue. Ugh. And then we go to the psych office. Sean walks in with a giant bag of lollipops and said, I went to the candy emporium, this time for research. His soul patch is doing too much in this scene. I noticed his soul patch this time around, and I was just like... It is a sharp little triangle. It's not like... worth it, yeah. <laughs> so, Sean says... There are thousands of lollipop flavors, but zero lollipops turn your tongue black. I, I can't figure it out. What else could have caused this? Gus comes in for the win, as he does. And he said, Bismuth subsalicylate. Do you know that Subsalicylate? Thank you. Which is Pepto-Bismol. It is Pepto. I wrote that. Yeah, that's the active ingredient in Pepto. Dear Pepto-Bismol, we will be more than happy to sponsor you because I use Pepto-Bismol probably every day of my life. So, uh... Not every day, but every week for me. So we bum, would bum, love bum. to, um... Yeah. Yeah. Sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the bum, bum, bum and got distracted. <laughs> yes. Bum, bum, bum. Pepto. Okay, yes. Just putting yes. it out there, Pepto-Bismol. I also wrote... Sean neck hair because again he's getting overgrown at the yeah neck. which I think tracks with the last episode like episode four was when we were talking about him and almost <laughs> mullet yeah yeah Sean said it was murder yes but before that when Gus says bismuth subsalicylate he said something about a sports team and I just wrote sports ball because I didn't catch the reference oh did you not catch the reference either not at all this... anyway yes murder and Gus said, but I thought we said it wasn't the wife. And he's like, it's not the wife. But he was already feeling ick before he ate her dinner. And he asked for chicken soup because that is the standard I'm feeling ill meal. Uncle Burton kind of comes in and breaks Shh, up their discussion. Good times. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> breaks up their discussion and is like, Sean, you should really tidy up around here. This place is a sty. And Sean said, yes, the person without psychic ability should be the one to clean. You're absolutely right. We should make a chart. 
they're ready to go to the crime scene. They're trying to leave Uncle Burton behind. And Uncle Burton said, do you think diagnosis murder ever let family get in the way of his work? When I said diagnosis murder, Kaylee threw her hands into the air, everybody. <laughs> but I actually looked up that. And did you know that it was produced by Dick Van Dyke? Oh, no, I did not. He yeah. know. I should have known he was a producer. How did I not know he was a producer? I don't know, because his son is the main character. What? Yeah. All right. Revisitation time. Let's go. <laughs> Diagnosis murder. All right. Next podcast. <laughs> Sean goats Gus a little bit and is like, come on, bring him. It'll be fun. Let's go. First, there's a new development. Gus feels something. Right, Gus? Tell Uncle B all about it. Gus has a fake psychic freak out. And this is where he goes. Oh, spirit. He's like, he's almost going to like break into a gospel right there. It's so good. <laughs> Uncle Burton thinks it's kind of fluffy, whatever he's doing. Kind of sissy. I don't. Yeah, this, this psychic stuff is a little bit wimpy, right? <laughs> Sean said, at least he's not wearing a tutu and capellios. And they just like share a look. <laughs> and then Sean and Gus play charades so that Gus actually knows what to say during his psychic moment. Yeah, he's like, it was, it was something he ate, but it wasn't his wife's soup. No, it was, uh, at a, at a restaurant. Yes, yes, something he ate made him feel so bad it killed his nose. It made him sick to the point of having seizures? No, 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 he was at a restaurant and what, something he ate is what killed him. <laughs> I really enjoy when he gets the whole died thing and Sean like taps his nose. Gus said, that's what killed his nose. And then the end <laughs> of the scene, he's like, killed his nose? What are you talking about? Let's go. Okay. So then we go to the Santa Barbara Police Department. <laughs> Don't worry, because Sean has a plan. Yeah. And they're keeping Uncle B busy. Gus is like, how are we going to pull this off? And at this stage, I think that they are back to wearing their own stripes and plaids. So it was just that first day so far. Sean tells Gus, wait for my signal. I'm going into Chief's office. Sean runs in, screams, ham pencils, Sheila E, tomato bark, velvety shark toast, shark toast. And he's even making shark mouth hand movements. It's very baby shark. Na, 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 na. <laughs> oh, and Chief just goes, is something wrong? And Lassie, Lassie goes, you picked a day to ask him that? Okay, Lassiter's arm is in a sling in this. Sean breaks his own psychic nonsense episode to say, Lassie, what the heck is up with your arm? He won't tell us. Yeah, Jewel shrugs. She's like, he's not telling any of us. He won't say. According to my Amazon notes, it's never explained. Is it real? And did they just put it in the show? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's real It from a mountain bike accident, I think. Oh my god. Oh my god. Adventure times! But it's very, like, on brand for Lassie to be like, it's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Julia is like, so, Sean, what do you want about... He's like, Ugh. every time I open my mouth, the wrong fishes come out. <laughs> the Do visions you mean words? <laughs> <laughs> the visions are too strong and they're just not working. So Sean is looking for someone just slightly less handsome than I am to help translate what he's looking for. Someone who knows him so well. 
Gus is peeking through the blinds, and then Sean goes, oh, perfect, Gus, Gus, come quick, I need help. And everyone's face in Chief's office is dubious. Everyone's like, okay, this is what's happening now. (laughs) So Gus walks in, and Sean goes, oh, mambo beef puddles, swirly whirly jungle pants. Gus, translate for me. Uncle Burton comes in, and just as Uncle Burton is, Gus said, swirly whirly jungle pants. Um, I think he's trying to say that maybe he was poisoned. And everyone kind of has a, (gasps) and Uncle Burton says, this is better than ghost whisperers. Sean told Gus to make sure he said poison, poison. I need you to remember that and say it this time. Gus said, he ate something wrong, a skull and two bones. And then Juliet supplies poison. poison. Conveniently. And he's like, yes, yes, he was poisoned. And then we get <laughs> Sean under the breath, carnival stud muffin, <laughs> restaurant poison. Because Lassie has just been saying, we check the soup, the wife is clean. She's not. And that's when we get restaurant poison. <laughs> <laughs> they think it was a chef that maybe got a bad review from oh. Wagner who may have murdered him. And Chief goes, oh, do you think so? And all three, Uncle B. Gus and Sean go, yes! (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice little walk and talk starting. Uncle Burton's trying to talk to Gus and they quickly stop him and say, no, 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 he can't speak. After these sorts of episodes, he's very, very parched. So Uncle B runs off for water. And they realize that the poison was likely ingested within 24 hours prior to his death. So Sean goes full like eidetic memory and he's trying to picture the takeout containers he saw in the guy's fridge because those are probably the freshest and so he's looking at the one on top and he's like it's a curvy a what restaurant is the curvy a and gus is like what are you talking about there's no restaurant called the curvy a so sean pulls his marker from nowhere because you know he does that (laughs) this is an ongoing thing and he draws the lowercase curvy a on Gus's hand and he's like ah yes that's Antonio's because I know restaurants I am Burton Guster (laughs) (laughs) we go to Antonio's and they walk inside and Antonio's like hey no customers in the kitchen and they're like we're not customers we're here from the health department Antonio's like again we just had our surprise inspection last week well, you weren't surprised enough. When they walk in, I wrote down, Mario, where my starters? Hurry up! <laughs> he goes down the checklist. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're not taking your word for it. Yeah. All right? No, that's not how it works. But then he's like, don't you want to see the freezer? And they're like, ah, yes, the freezer. So he opens it. And then they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, you're not going to check the temperature? You do it. I'm wearing short sleeves. <laughs> so Gus enters the freezer. Which is not a good way to check the temperature of a freezer, by the way. Yeah, no. They start talking about Wagner while Gus is doing that. And the guy is very open. He's like, good riddance. Like, I'm so glad that guy's dead. Thank God somebody murdered him. He was terrible. He blah, blah, blah. Initially, I'm writing down like, would a guilty person be screaming this? Be screaming about how glad he is he's dead. The guy had it come in. He never wrote a good thing about my food. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you're probably going to tone it down. Yeah. So instantly, I'm not suspicious of Antonio, but we get Jules and Lassie breaking into the scene as soon as Gus comes out of the freezer. (laughs) And they arrest Antonio because Sean and Gus were right. It was poison. 
there were death cap mushrooms in the mushroom risotto. Those are poisonous mushrooms. Gus is so happy because they've arrested Antonio. He doesn't have to be pretend to be psychic anymore. Everything's on the up and up, but not so fast because Sean sees the mushrooms that are being sliced. These like beautiful portobellas, I think they are. Yeah, but it's called wild mushroom risotto. These are not wild mushrooms. Nope. These are full portobello caps. Like mm-hmm. they're not even like baby bellas. They're not cremini nope. or anything like that. And they're sliced long ways. Not into cubes. Which Sean saw in the leftover container that the guy had in his refrigerator. And we go back to the SBPD. And I just wrote, what the heck building are they using for this B-roll for the SBPD? This isn't our usual exterior. It was hideous. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, that transition is whack. Like, it is not the SBPD we know. I was like, is this another entrance? Are they not going to explain this? This is gross. This is not the one that we come to know and love or have seen previous. <laughs> Lassiter's like, Antonio did it. We know that Antonio prepares the meals when a critic comes in. He always prepares it himself and then does a full nutshelling that ended with, and Antonio hated Wagner. Wagner died from the risotto, and it was in his notes that he ate the risotto. Okay. Here's the thing. Everyone in this show from here on out pronounces it risotto with a very hard T, which I know there's two T's, but nobody says it like that. They say it like you because you're normal. (laughs) Lassie's saying risotto and Gus even says risotto like throughout the rest of this episode. It's bizarre. What I don't understand is at one point Lassiter turns around and starts watering plants. I did not even notice that. He's got a little squirt bottle. And he's, like, watering (laughs) this fake plant. And I'm just like, why the heck is Lassiter watering plants? That's, not only is that out of character for him, but it, (laughs) okay. So they're keeping him in the scene, but giving him something nonsensical to do so that Sean can observe the dead guy's journal, where he writes that he was given a tepid plate of mushroom risotto. Sean screams, whoa, the sandpaper... With the banana patch. That means the risotto was cold. And Sean deduces that the food was likely cooked elsewhere, not in the kitchen, and that's why it was cold. And Lassiter said, you know what I think? The case is closed. (laughs) Uncle Burton comes in and he thanks Gus for such a good afternoon. And he says, you're a regular Rockefeller Files, which was a TV show from 1974. Rockford Files. You're a regular Rockford Files. <laughs> Rockefeller Files. He gives... I've heard it both ways. <laughs> he gives Gus a handshake. A handshake. This is like getting a smile and a nod from Ron Swanson, okay? <laughs> Sean is a little concerned. He's like, that man is a tank-shaped encyclopedia of detective shows. How much television does he watch? I bet he even watched Manimal. Which was a one-season television show from 1983. Wow. I looked up all of these because a lot of them I did not know. I've heard of most of them. I've never heard of Manimal. Gus is like, listen, if they don't have the murderer, we need to find him. and We need to solve the case with Uncle Burton because he likes detective shows. And if he watches us be detectives, he's going to like me. Who else hated him? Who else had the motive? murder i think we decide that we need 
to talk to his employer and get more leads because they don't know yet. So they go to the magazine. This is the Santa Barbara Mirror. As soon as we see the wall and like we're into the scene, somebody's walking underneath the sign and I just wrote creepy dork because sometimes when we open a scene and you see someone, it's a lead up. This one, my friends, was a red herring, but the next moment we get introduced to Phil Pritikin, the editor-in-chief, and he's being followed around by his second creepy dork of the scene, assistant, and he is wearing stripes. They're trying to talk to him. They can't get his attention. And he said, if you don't work for me, then I don't have time for you. And then Nick, who is his like creepy assistant or whatever, calls for Cooper, who happens to be Wagner's executive assistant. Yes, he was Wagner's assistant. So they're like, hey, um, what can you tell us about people who hated him or would have motive to, um, you know, hurt him? Like, do you have angry people records of anything? He's like, oh, you mean the angry chef letters. <laughs> it's a binder, guys. We did skip a pop culture reference a little bit earlier. When they were waiting for Cooper to come over and talk to them, Sean screamed, I also have an idea for a crossover strip where Dilbert finally meets Marmaduke. We get introduced to the Angry Chef letters. They range from dislike to abhorrence, and they're like, yeah, 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 but did anyone want him dead? And he's like, oh, those are at the back. Those are the, I wish you were dead mail. There's all of these people, and they're like, oh my gosh, all of these people could be suspects. And Gus said, call the restaurants and make a reservation for justice. Also for three, because Uncle Burton is coming. And then we get sort of a restaurant montage, and we've got some really cool drum beat action happening in the music cues. Oh, it, it's Candy. Uh, it's I Want Candy is the song that's playing in the background. That's what it, I couldn't yeah. hear when it actually came in, but I heard like the drum intro part. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh, I like. So we get a couple of different places. There are like three or four restaurants that we like get multiple little flashes to. And the first guy is talking about his jambalaya. That he called Jumbalousy. Yes, and I just wrote, this guy's not sus at all. He's just like all about the food. He spends all day and night in his kitchen. He's just like plating up rice and spices. And it's just like, he just seems affable. What? I want to eat there. <laughs> yeah, that's a restaurant I want to go to for sure. But we get a second place. It's a, um, a Japanese restaurant. And he goes, my famous miso yellowtail roll. He wrote miso disappointed and then everybody sort of laughs and he goes that's not funny and i wrote no it's racist <laughs> <laughs> and then third we get a um she's kind of an italian pastry chef because she's only talking about desserts with the guys we get more of her later we get flashes of all of these chefs and she's like i could never figure out why this guy was so angry like he gets to eat at five-star restaurants all the time on the newspaper's dime. And still, all he did was complain. And then we get a fourth place, and they're just, like, breaking open lobster tails. And the guy's like, what are you doing here? He never even reviewed my restaurant. They walk out. They're all holding their stomachs. They're like, ugh. And Sean said, that was, without question, the tastiest dead end we've ever gone down. And Uncle B says, Matlock never ate this good. Good times. Good times. <laughs> I'm going to go to the car and unbutton my pants. 
<laughs> they decide that the chefs couldn't be the murderer. The chefs are too busy to kill him. They were all either in the kitchen or working the room. There was no time to murder him. Yeah, but Gus said, I keep going back to what the dessert chef said. Maybe she was right and somebody wanted his job bad enough to kill him for it. Maybe that's our motive. But how are we going to talk to the newspaper editor? He only talks to people who works for him. John's like, that's not a problem. So we're in a conference room and Sean is going around just quipping psychic things about people. And I forget all of them except the last guy. He goes, and you just really have to pee. Like, please go. Like, just go, man. <laughs> Mr. Editor, he's like, all right, you're hired. You're our new Zodiac, blah, 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 astrological guru guy. Astrological forecaster. Sean's making horoscopes. And in the next scene, Gus walks up to him and he goes, Sean, what are you doing? Those horoscopes were terrible. These are supposed to be really general, so everyone can kind of think that, yeah, maybe this is about me or could be for me. You made yours way too specific. I wrote them with specific people in mind. I'm definitely going to keep track of what we learn about these people's birthdays and or zodiac signs because <clears throat> Aries. <laughs> Juliet's reading the horoscopes and she's reading Lassie his. So he's an Aries confirmed that tracks. Calcium is particularly important to you right now. You may be up for a job promotion or something great happening to you at work. Be sure to walk backwards through doorways for good luck. And then Lassiter walks to talk to Chief Vic because she hollers at him. Lassiter, I need to discuss something with you. And he goes walking and then he gets to Chief Vic's door and he looks around and he turns around and he walks through backwards. And then Jules goes to her own horoscope and confirms she's a Libra. Guess what Amanda is? Is she a Libra? She is. That makes total sense. It does. And it also makes sense to me why they work so well as a team. They're literally polar opposites, but that has its own kind of compatible energy. She says, your true love will be wearing sneakers and an Apple Jacks t-shirt. That's a weird detail. (laughs) We immediately cut screen. We're back at the newspaper. And the very first thing we see is an Apple Jacks t-shirt on none other than Sean Spencer. We go into Phil's office with questions about this, uh, this restaurant critic job. It's like, ah, you too. Everybody wants this job. Everyone has a gimmick. And Sean's like, well, what if I offer my soothsayer services? Sayer services? And Gus said, soothe services. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to use that to pick the best candidate. And that's when Nick, the assistant, comes in and he's eating Cheetos. And he said, you know, these Cheetos are so crispy, yet airy. And it's a subtle flavor in such a wonderful contrast to its eye-catching color. Always with the Cheetos. Get out of here. You see what I mean? Everybody. There's all of these applicants. And Gus is like, we got 100 people here. How are we going to figure out which one is actually the murderer? Sean said, we only need to go to the one person who can identify the murder weapon. Q Mushroom Man. Whose name is Farmer Al Mooney. He's looking under a magnifying glass at a weird looking mushroom and then he's chomping it down and then swishing his mouth with water and he's like really into what he's doing. (laughs) And I love this for him. Like he clearly loves the life that he's built for himself. 
Also, he is the only mushroom farmer in the Tri-County area. So he's likely the only person who knows where to find the death cap. Gus is super not sold on this guy. They're asking him questions about where to find wild mushrooms like the death cap. And he's like, why do you ask? Why do you ask? Why do I ask? <laughs> why do you ask? Why do I ask? Why do I ask? Why do you ask? Why do I ask? Why do you... you? Sean! <laughs> <laughs> Good times. So... <laughs> Good times. So eventually, Sean says, he's just curious. And he goes, well, I know of a couple of places. They're kind of out of the way. They're like miles into the woods. And you're the second person to ask me this in the last couple of days. Oh, do you, do you know what the other guy looks like? Oh, absolutely. So he was nine feet tall and he had sunshine coming out of his mouth and a hippo for a hand. And he does, he does the little hippo hand thing again. It yeah, doesn't sorry, you can't see. It's like podcast, but Kaylee did it. Nope. It's like a sock puppet hand is a hippo hand. Yeah. So he is fully stoned and fun fact, a lot of psychedelic mushrooms grow from fecal matter. Really? Yeah, like a lot of magic mushrooms that people of our parents' generation were getting, they were getting in cow fields. They are headed back into the psych office. They're having a little walk and talk. And Gus is just like, we drove two hours to that place for nothing. And Sean said, well, I mean, at least we know that it's a he. They walk into the psych office and Henry's there. And he's reading from the horoscopes in the newspaper. Sagittarius, give back the BB gun you confiscated from your son in the second grade. Also, you are a cranky pants. (laughs) Henry slaps this box of stuff onto the the desk and said, if you wanted your stuff back, you should have just come and asked like an adult. Henry is super worried and he's showing it in his Henry way of being kind of angry, but he's worried that other people might take this crap that he's writing for very specific people to heart and then do something crazy about it, which is a very cop reaction to this situation. It's a very police officer Henry reaction to the situation, but they're working on a case. That's why they're there. I don't get Sagittarius from Henry. I really don't. I don't know anything about everything that you're talking about. So I'm just going to believe you. (laughs) I feel like I get Taurus energy from him because he's very grounded. He loves food. He loves fluffy robes and his own sense of comfort. And I want to say bougie, but in his very unique way. Like luxury to him is very on his own brand. It's not everyone else's standard. True that. Henry's like, you didn't really do your research on this, did you? Because if you did, you would know that Antonio was involved in a thing. The thing is known as the veggie burger incident. And And Gus says he's going to Google it. First mention of Google. (laughs) A bunch of vegetarians were complaining that Antonio's vegetable burgers were way too bland. And so to make it better, he puts some beef broth in it. But before that, Henry says, if you take the beef out of a burger, you've lost the right to complain about flavor. And Sean finishes that phrase with him because apparently it's a thing that Henry likes to harp on about. And Sean goes, can you just call someone a hippie and get to the point? (laughs) But yeah, we find out that this guy put beef broth in his veggie burgers and people stopped complaining about the flavor. This person called Dwyer, the vegan vigilante, structured a boycott against Antonio's for the beef broth and the burgers incident. And Sean goes, this guy secretly fed beef to a bunch of vegetarians and 
were trying to get him out of prison? <laughs> and then Gus goes, because he didn't murder someone. And we get a snap, and it's like, ah, yes, that's right. <laughs> so he's guilty of some shit, but he didn't murder yeah. anybody. They were trying to figure out where they could find this vegan vigilante. And Henry was like, well, I saw her a couple days ago at the drive-thru. Which is a great name for a restaurant. Yeah. Like, just call it the drive-thru. Yeah. That's amazing. They were like, I don't know that this was that actual place's name, but. <laughs> why would she still be there? And we immediately cut to Oh, change. she'll still be there. <laughs> <laughs> so she has chained herself and organized a protest against this drive-thru restaurant. I'm not sure what her particular gripe with this place was. There was a lot of shouting and a lot of other things going on. So I didn't dive into what the picket signs actually said. They mostly said meat is murder. Okay. So apparently it's just like a regular restaurant. <laughs> as soon as they see her, Sean said, I hate when my dad's right. She's very emphatic about pushing her views on other people, which I get it. It feels very vital and um, immediate to her. And she's so passionate. Jules and Lassie show up to break up the protest. Well, first the boys go and talk to her. And she said that she had been chained outside of the drive-thru for three days but she had been protesting outside of Antonio's on Tuesday night. And Tuesday night was the night that the critic died from the death caps. Jules and Lassie show up because they're ready to break it up. They're ready to see what's going on. They're pretty much ready to arrest Dwyer, the vegan vigilante. The boys think they figured it out and they do a little robot happy dance. They're trying to figure out who runs this joint, quote unquote. And they said, he's probably inside. Leslie was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So he goes up to the door and we get a, wait for it. Wait, wait for, for it. it. And he turns around to walk through backwards and they're like, hey Lassie, what you doing? I'm just trying to make sure I'm not being followed. Just trying to do vigilant police work. And he walks in and instantly there's a great cacophony of whatever he knocked over walking in the door backwards, which is probably a person with a whole tray of food. Juliet does make a comment about Sean's Applejack's t-shirt and was like, did you just get that today by chance? No, this old rag, I've had this forever. Gus, do you remember when I sent in all those cereal box tops for this? You didn't send anything in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the same year you got your first cabbage patch. Oh, yes, yes, the box tops. Uncle B is like, hey, I uh, got to get out of here. I'm writing this postcard, though, and I'm telling everybody about what a crackerjack psychic detective you are. They do a veggie burger recap for some reason at this point. And yeah, so Gus is trying to be braggy and like tell Uncle Burton he solved it and he's going to bring it all down. And he walks up and he starts berating veggie girl. He's like. You killed him. You killed the critic to frame Antonio and get your revenge for the veggie burger incident. And you just couldn't stand what he did with the beef broth. And she goes, meat is murder. And Gus says, but murder is also murder, Miss Dwyer. I just wrote title. Juliet runs up. There's a development in the case. Somebody died yesterday downtown from eating discarded mushrooms that they found. So they were dropped yesterday and the guy got a description of the person who dropped the mushrooms and it was a six foot man. So the the, 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 the Dwyer could not have committed this murder because she has been chained up to the drive-thru for three days. 
but she could have left and unchained when nobody was watching her and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, no, it was a six foot man. It still couldn't have been her, even if she snuck away. Uncle Burton just rips the postcard in half. I just wrote cold ass Uncle B. Because he then says, psychic, bogus. Oh. I know. It's, a- it's like he's seen nothing. <laughs> At the SBPD, we find out that the person who died was a homeless man who had gone to the clinic concerned with his abdominal pain and then died two days later. And they were like, it can't be Dwyer. She was chained up. It can't be Antonio. He was in custody. I mean, I guess it could be Antonio. Maybe if he had a partner. And then Lassiter turns around for some reason and they ask Chief Vic where the mushrooms were discarded. And we find out that they were discarded on this street that is actually across from the newspaper. Yeah, she said at Laguna and Vista. So that's really close to the paper. Uncle B has to be at the airport in one hour. But Gus wants to solve this murder while Uncle B is still there. And Sean just said, listen, we don't have any good suspects. It's going to take us longer than an hour to figure out who the murderer is. So they decide they're just going to go ahead and take Uncle Burton to the airport. They're in the blueberry. Uncle Burton's in the front seat. Sean's in the back seat. Still no headrests. I wrote that I saw headrests. Those are in the back seat. There's still none in the front seat. Oh, okay. Uncle Burton is telling Gus that he thinks that having Sean there might be dragging his business down. Because it's called Murder She Wrote, not Murder They Wrote. (laughs) Uncle B is upset because he was rushed down to the burger place and he left some of his clothes behind. Specifically, his new yellow hippo shirt. Which he bought down on State Street, and it, what did he say? It's like, it wasn't that expensive, but it makes my arms look amazing. That's it. Yeah. And they're like, wait, hippo shirt? They've got these little hippos embroidered on the sleeves. Mm. Sean has a flashback. Nine feet tall, sunshine coming out of his mouth, hippo for a hand. And he thinks about Nick, the assistant. Eating Cheetos. He had a little hippo on his shirt, and he was a tall guy. And Sean's like... I solved it, and he tells Gus, and Gus pulls a Yui because Uncle Burton has to see how this murder ends. So we're back at the magazine, and we get this big Gus, like, rampaging into the scene, basically like, Jacques, sir! (laughs) And he's like, you did it! You did it, you little weasel who's being handed the keys to the castle, pretty much, because he's just being announced as the inheritor of the restaurant critic job. Jules and Lassiter came in. They don't know what to do because Uncle Burton thinks Gus is psychic. The newspaper thinks Sean is psychic. And the team thinks that Gus is just translating Sean's visions. How are they going to do this? How are they going to get it out? And Sean's like, okay, I have a plan. Spectacle time. Gus, scream something crazy. Keyleases, shoeboards, pineapple. I think this is it. This is all we have. Yeah. (laughs) This was our... This is the pineapple hunt. Pineapple hunt. It's just him saying the word pineapple, which, you know, doesn't always happen. Yeah. We got another pineapple kind of reference like this earlier. The pineapple scones, maybe early in season one. But we did actually see the remnants of some scones. You just had to look for them. But yeah, yeah. Sean screams, the visions are too complex. And he puts his hand on top of Sean's head and says, magic head. And then Gus puts his hand... puts his hand on top of Gus's head? Yep, and says, magic head. And then Gus puts his hand on top of Sean's head and says, two heads are better than one. And then they do a full recap in the most flippity-floppity 
Gaston psychic way I've ever seen. So, okay, I do not have the recap. I just have the no. the motions. Me too. Okay. <laughs> so every time one of them says something and they want to tag team pass it back to the next one, they are abusing each other. So the first time, Sean, is it Sean going first? I think so. And he smacks Gus on the back of the head to hand it over. But don't worry, because Gus returns the head smack and smacks John on the back of the head for So, okay, for at this over. part, I wrote, yeah, Antonio is just the fall guy. You needed a fall guy. Unfortunately, Lee Majors wasn't available. That's when the whisper happens. Oh. Yeah, whisper happens, and he's like, oh, actually, I guess he lives in town, but apparently he was out of your price range, so. <laughs> so, hand smack. Sean smacked Gus on the arm, and then when Gus goes to give it back to him, he gives him a full Indian burn, and everyone in the audience cringes <laughs> about it. And then the next thing we see is a toe stamp mm-hmm. from Sean back to Gus, and then if we check with the uh, food inspection people, we'll find that there was no surprise inspection. You used that excuse to sneak into Antonio's that night and switch out his risotto for your own. And that is the murder weapon. And I just wrote, ew. <laughs> so then we get another, like, Jacques moment. And they're like, that was you. That was your evil plan. That's how you did it. Gus trips Sean. And then Sean does this, like, weird, like, heat rub head thing. And then... <laughs> Gus smacks Sean, but Sean ducks, and then they have a fist bump. And that's our fist bump. The guy that that was talking about the death caps remembers him after you toned down the drug-induced exaggeration. Uh, That's ridiculous. Al Mooney is crazy. No one's going to believe him. Lassiter for the win. Um, excuse me. Stupid murderer. (laughs) I don't think anyone ever said the witness's name. Dun, dun, dun. And then the boys do the robot. And then Jules comes over. Juliet said, oh, it seems like your visions are back, Sean. That's great. And Sean said, I'm, I'm having another vision now. You and me mm. celebrating over dinner, drinks. And Juliet said, sounds like you're still a little off. <laughs> That's it. And then Gus says, Uncle B, I guess we better get you to the airport. My flight left 10 minutes ago. But he's not worried. He's so happy. Yeah, he Gus was, was worried that. that Uncle Burton was going to be mad. And he said... Why would I be mad at you, Gus? And then we have such a tender-hearted moment because Uncle Burton called him Gus. His chosen name. Names matter, people. Agreed. And then Juliet screams, we have a bank robbery. Chief wants you on the case. How exciting. And Uncle B is excited and they're all leaving. (laughs) As they're leaving, Gus is like, what are we going to do now? And Sean said, don't worry, I have a plan. Like three times throughout this episode, he said, I have a plan. (laughs) And then we're back at the psych office for our last scene of the episode. And based on a lot of Uncle Burton's suggestions, Sean drew up this contract for the non-psychic associate. Oh, I'm sorry. Assistant. Including cleaning the psych office and amongst other things. And he wants Gus to sign it. Gus is like, I'm not signing it. Uncle Burton is like, go on, sign it before he changes his mind. Get that shit in paper (laughs) or uh, in, in writing. Lock it in. And this pressure makes Gus go, Uncle Burton, I have something to tell you. And you're not going to like it. And then he goes, You can sign it. I know, I know. You can sign it whatever you want. You can sign it. Gus can sign it. Either way, you're a psychic. And thanks to you, the Burton legacy will live on. Okay, I also want to point out that in this scene, they are switched 
with their plaid and striped shirts again. Really? Yes. So our opener and our closer, they have switched. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Gus still doesn't sign it. Uncle Burton gets in the taxi, drives off in the sunset. And Sean's like, all right, you can sign it now. He said, you can sign it any way you want. And Gus is like, no, Sean, and is walking away from him. But you could sign it Don Cheadle or DeBrackshaw Ferguson. Delroy Lindo. What did I write? I think I wrote DeBrickashaw Fillington. Okay, so DeBrickashaw Fillington is what the caption said. So I went searching for okay. DeBrickashaw Fillington, who's not a person, but DeBrickashaw Ferguson, which sounds a lot like Fillington, was a NFL star who played for the New York Jets. Ah, and who's Delray Lindo? He was an actor who was best known for his role in Malcolm X. And then, of course, oh damn, okay, there's Don Cheadle, and this is our third Don Cheadle reference. So many Don Cheadle references. I know, right? Yes. So, yes, mm. I don't know if it was DeBrickashaw Ferguson or DeBrickashaw Fillington, but good times. Good times. <laughs> all right. I loved the fact that almost all of the pop culture references that we got this episode came from Uncle Burton. It was a tremendous amount of police procedural. Yes, because he watches too much TV, according to Sean. But he just loves good detective fiction, and I can relate. I have a shrine on the wall behind me to detective fiction and he did say one of my personal faves murder she wrote the queen angela lansbury as jessica fletcher it's free on peacock the entire series is on peacock along with columbo i think it's on hulu too but i could be wrong yeah but peacock is free if you want it to be that's true (laughs) but i already paid for hulu so no big deal (laughs) but we had so many procedural so many pop culture references we gotta wait for it we definitely got some Buzz, we got some Henry, we got some Chief Vic, although it was just a little bit of Vic. I did miss her in this episode. We got our fist bump and technically our pineapple. <laughs> Anybody, if you have found that pineapple and it's not just that reference to pineapple that Kaylee and I were talking about, please email us and let us know. Uh, you can contact us via our email at totheblueberrypodcast at gmail.com. Super easy to remember, totheblueberrypodcast at gmail.com. I'm Alexis. His mother named him after me. It's not a very common name, but some of us still use it proudly. I'm Kaylee, and do you know what he said about my white chocolate tiramisu? He called it ass cake. And this has been... To, to the, the Blueberry! Blueberry! Psych out. <laughs>